Are you looking for the spot to kick back, relax, and talk all things Southern Miss? Well, you're in the right place. No need for the calculator here, Poindexter. We're average Joes who are passionate fans. This is for Southern Miss fans by Southern Miss fans. Welcome to the Everyday Eagles Podcast. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to the Everyday Eagle Podcast. We've taken a long hiatus, but we're excited to be back in the recording studio to bring you some humor, some stories, some predictions, and hopefully a whole lot of Southern Miss love. Joining me as new host of the show are some incredibly talented and passionate people. The first person I want to introduce is Mr. Lane Brady. What's up, Lane? Good to be here, Chuck. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm excited about this week, man. Oh, yeah, man. I'm excited. Anytime we get postseason ball in Hattiesburg, it's it's a good time. So I'm ready for it. I'll be at the peak. The whole tournament is my plan. So I can't wait. Well, Lane, one of the questions that I have for you that we like to ask our first-time guests are, uh, what makes you an everyday eagle? All right. So, Chuck, I've been an everyday eagle for pretty much my whole life. Uh, my dad went to Southern Miss. My mom, bless her heart, she went to Mississippi State. But lucky for me, my dad got to me first, right? Uh, So my dad, he took me to a Southern Miss homecoming football game when I was in the fourth grade. And I fell in love with Southern Miss that day. All I I could talk about was coming back to a Southern Miss football game. Uh, Don't remember who we played. I do remember Jeff Kelly was the quarterback. And... In my mind, Jeff Kelly was as good as Brett Favre to me at that moment, you know. Uh, and Derek Nix, he was the running back. Uh, they they were kind of the stars of the team back then. And it was just – it was really good, you know. We went to the bowl game that year. Southern played in the Liberty Bowl. He took me to the bowl game. And then we bought season tickets the next year. And, Chuck, I mean, that's kind of where it started. And it's never stopped. I've been going to Southern Miss games my whole life. I was a, there was never a question of where I was going to go to school. Um, And I went to Southern Miss for my undergrad. I was an equipment manager for the football team when I was there. I went to Southern Miss for my master's degree. And so, yeah, I've been deeply involved in Southern Miss, especially athletics side, working with the football team as an equipment manager and um, even when I wasn't doing stuff with football, I was always at the Pete. I was always at Reed Green. I just, I'm a sports fan and I loved the school I was at and I just have always gone to the games and still love it. Excellent, man. Awesome. Thank goodness for good dads raising, raising them up gold, you know. I know, right? He still comes to all the games. Good. good. So I see him at games. We get to catch up at the ball games. That's always fun. Okay. Well, our second question, um, and I want to preface this by saying, aside from meeting your beautiful wife, what is your favorite Southern Miss moment? That is true. Funny, funny story here, actually, with that. We met when we were freshmen. My wife, my wife is Mary Lois Brady. We met when we were freshmen, and we started dating my senior year. So how's that for uh, taking it slow, I guess? I say, play, the long <laughs> game. play the long game. Yeah, I guess so. You know, one day I asked out my friend, the next thing you know, we're married with two kids. So, you know, but um, 
But yeah, I'd say my favorite Southern Miss moment, and I've seen a bunch of good ones, Chuck, I have. Uh, I'd say my favorite one by far would be beating Houston in the 2011 Conference USA football championship game. I was working with the team that year. It was it was an exciting year for us. We won some big games, had a great season. We were ranked. Uh, we were climbing up the poles. And, you know, we had to play Houston for the conference championship in Houston. And they were red hot, too. Now, they had uh, they, were, they were packing their bags to go to the Sugar Bowl that year. I don't know if you all remember that. I do. But I do. They, uh, the quarterback was Case Keenum. And he was he was a Heisman candidate at one point, and uh, they were they were red hot, man. They were good, and people were all over that. And uh, you know, you kind of get a feeling the day of when you see the team and you're around the team that morning of, and, and when you walk into the stadium, you get a feel for how locked in they are and how focused they are, and. We just – you had a feeling something special was going to happen. Now, I don't know if we, we knew we were about to blow them out like that, but we knew we had a shot to win that ball game. And, Chuck, I just remember – I remember winning the game, all the big plays involved in that game. I remember getting on the plane. We watched the ESPN coverage of our game on the ride home. We got home, and there were fans waiting for us at the stadium. And there were fans waiting for us at the airport. I mean, they were – it was just a really fun night and a night I'll never forget. So that would definitely be my favorite. That's awesome, guys. That's awesome. And so now, everyday Eagle fans, I get the opportunity to introduce you to the man behind the scenes who actually makes all this possible. He's probably the most important man on this podcast, to be honest with you, right? Chuck? Absolutely. Uh, Pate Thaggard. Pate, you with us? What is up, gentlemen? Good to be here. Good to have you, man. So I don't know about most important. Oh, <laughs> uh, we we know about most important. You are definitely most important. Lane and I have trouble signing into these things, much less. Yeah, yeah. I can barely <laughs> I can barely figure this stuff out on my phone. Pete makes all this pie. He's the tech guru. Mm-hmm. Everyday Eagle fans. So, Pete, I'll ask you the same questions I just answered. Why are you an Everyday Eagle? Well, I've more or less been an Eagle fan most of my life. I've had the privilege of going to uh, several football games growing up here in Hattiesburg. Um, I was introduced to Southern Miss baseball by our good friend here, Chuck. Um, Been a season ticket holder for several years and uh, never looked back there. I've had the privilege to get my undergraduate degree from Southern Miss, and then also pursuing a master's here at Southern Miss as well. So it's kind of more or less been my home. My parents are uh, state fans, and so uh, uh, in my house, it was more or less, you can go anywhere you wanted to, except Old Miss. Amen. And uh, <laughs> I felt like my family would have disowned me yeah, if right. I had chosen to go to Old Miss, but thankfully that never happened. So That's not a terrible right. rule, though. <laughs> oh, definitely not. Definitely not. All right. So, Pate, what is your favorite Southern Miss moment? I believe it was 2018 when actually we swept Mississippi State here at Pete Taylor Park in the opening weekend series. And, man, that, that game was just just 
I can't even describe it. It was just a great weekend to be a part of. And that was probably my most memorable uh, Southern Miss moment that I'll never forget. You know what was so cool about that moment you just shared was to me, it was the, what happened the year before that made that moment so big. You know, the year before they knocked us out of our own regional. I mean, that's they did. That was one of those moments you lose sleep over, you know, and all I could Mm -hmm. do leading up to that series was think about how awesome it would be to sweep them, to pay them back for the year before. And sure enough, we did. So, right. Absolutely. That's true. And, and I will say, um, I may have told this story before on everyday Eagle. If I have, sorry. But um, I remember when I got a text and somebody told me that Nick Sandlin was starting uh, that Friday night for um, as a starter, and I was thinking, how how did how is a closer one year coming back to be the starter against a huge game like against Mississippi State on a Friday night? I'm like, obviously, Coach Oz really doesn't know what he's doing if he's doing this. And then I ate my words very quickly. Nick Sandlin became one of the best pitchers Southern Miss ever had. So, Coach Oz, if you're listening, I apologize. You for never that doubt Coach Oz, Chuck. He's never the doubt man. the wizard. No, definitely never, never doubt him. Never. Well, hey, that's a great segue. Speaking of, um, you know, the wizard and, and his magical stuff, Let's congratulate Mr. Tanner Hall on winning the Ferris Trophy today. Tanner Hall, congratulations. Absolutely. So, uh, pop quiz, how many Southern Miss baseball players have won the Ferris Trophy? I know the answer. Am I allowed to say? You're allowed to say, Lane, go. (laughs) Tanner Hall is the fourth to win this award the fourth that's correct correct. you had tyler kaling in 2011 james mcmahon in 2015 and nick sandlin in 2018 Mm -hmm. 2018 that's awesome lane do you 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 lane is going to be our stats guy lane lane's a lot better at numbers than i am and um so he's going to be our stats guy lane tell us some stats on mr tanner tanner hall on the season. First off, he's leading Conference USA in most of the major categories. If not leading, he's top three. Uh, his mm-hmm. ERA is 268. He is 7-2 and two overall. He has thrown 87 innings with 120 strikeouts to get this, get this, 10 walks. His strikeout wow. to walk ratio is 120 strikeouts to 10 walks. That is crazy. Wow. Bravo, Tanner Hall. Keep it up, man. This, Bravo. He is right. so fun to watch, man. He is he, he is. is a special baseball player. And luckily, hopefully, we have him another year to watch him get right. even better. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Can't wait to see him this weekend, but we'll get to all that in a little bit, won't we? And while we're on the topic of Golden Eagles receiving awards, we need to point out two Golden Eagles who have received um, academic All-American awards for Conference USA, and that would be Will McGillis and Gabe Montenegro. And, guys, that's, it's tough to do. It's tough to be on top of your 
academics and on top of your sport. And these guys are really showing us how it's done. So great job, you two. Uh, absolutely, Lame. You know, you play three to four games a week. Sometimes you're, you know, you travel. Um, so staying on top of the books and traveling and playing all these games. I mean, they got a lot of pressure on them as student athletes. And sometimes we forget that term student. They are students first. Um, so shout out to those two guys for, for showing how it's done. All right. So we'll head into the next segment of this show. I'll lead us off into this one. Holy cow. All right, guys. So the holy cow segment, as Harry said it best is the segment where we get to come in and we say what players made us say holy cow over the past week for the Golden Eagles. So, Chuck, lead us off. What Golden Eagle this past weekend made you go holy cow? Well, Lane and Pate, for me, uh, my holy cow player of the week is, let's face it, top to bottom, you could probably list out three or four or five, maybe even nine uh, holy cow players for this last uh, uh, weekend. For me, I'm going to have to give it to Charlie Chuck Fisher. And no, it's not because we have the same name. (laughs) This kid has been the epitome of a team player. You know, last year he was our starting DH and he was solid. Hit some rough patches in the regional and the beginning of the year, but he stepped up when a lot of our players were down. Um, And he'll be the first person to tell you that his hitting is not matching what it's capable of. But he was asked to play a position he's never really played in a real game and honestly did a pretty decent, fair job at it. So Saturday, when he came in as a pinch hitter for Reese, um, and we were up big by then, so uh, you know he was just getting some swings, he hit a two-RBI triple. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Lane, that's the first triple of his career. Uh, it's the first one I know of. I'm, I'm pretty sure. And then Sunday he came in for Wilkes and was hit by a pitch and scored a run. So, you know, Charlie Fisher stepping up to the plate and hitting that. I I thought it was a homer. I mean, it was inches from being a home run. That's what she said. But it was was a great hit. And so I think think Charlie Fisher is going to come through big for us in the next couple of weeks. I really do. Yeah. Golden Eagle baseball is just more fun when big hit Chuck's out there smacking the ball around. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he's a great – He's a great person, too, as he's had a chance to meet him. Yes. Love getting to talk with Charlie Fisher. Yes. 100% agree with you. 100% agree with you. Um, Lane, who is your holy cow player of the week? Guys, holy cow, Blake Johnson. He, Blake Johnson. No joke. Right, so, look, he hits a grand slam on Saturday. Obviously, that's the holy cow moment. But when you look at Blake Johnson, the numbers here, no, he doesn't have uh, – the crazy 300 or 350 batting average Dickerson has. He doesn't have the 20 homers Sargent has. But what Blake Johnson does do is Blake Johnson does his job at the plate. When you mm-hmm. look at his stats, he does not leave runners on base. He finds a way to get on base a lot, and he just battles at the plate. And he's been doing it all season. He's he's batting 278 on the year. Okay. That was his second. That was his yeah. second home run of the season, right there. But boy, even dating back to Friday night. Friday night, he didn't register an official at bat. Guess why? Because he hit a sack fly, doing his job, bringing him yeah. a run, and mm-hmm. then he got walked, and then came around and scored. And so, 
he makes the most of every at bat, guys. He gets an RBI Friday mm-hmm. night, and he gets a run scored, and doesn't even register an official at bat. He just makes the most of what he's getting. Wow! Mm-hmm. And then Saturday he comes out there and goes three for five, two runs scored, uh, hits the grand slam obviously, and gets another RBI on top of all that. And so Blake Johnson on the weekend, this tells you what I mean by he just takes advantage of his at bats. Okay. The leading RBI guys this weekend were Will McGillis and Blake Johnson. Will McGillis had nine at-bats, nine official at-bats. Blake had five official at-bats, and they both had six RBIs. Blake Johnson literally had more RBIs than he had official Mm. at-bats. So he he finds a way, he makes it happen, and he's been fun to watch. He's been a lot of fun to watch. So, Pate, tell us, who is your holy cow player of the week? Well, I'd say for my holy cow, it would have to be our amazing head coach, Scott Berry. As of this past weekend, this will be his sixth year to have a 40-win streak. Or, I'm sorry, a 40-wins season. And let me tell you, yeah, like – just watching what Barry has done over the past several years has just been incredible. I mean, how long has Barry been coaching at Southern Miss? I'd say about 20 years. Am I wrong, uh, Lane? I don't have that stat pulled up. Dang, never. He became head coach in 2010. So, but yeah, he, I mean, just seeing what he and Coach Oz and the rest of the crew have done has just been absolutely incredible to watch. And so seeing that 40-win season go up um, yet again. I mean, I just – I mean, I have no words for it. I really don't. And, I, and 40 wins in a season is not it easy is to come by by any At all. 40 wins is elite status in a season to mm-hmm. me. Especially six in a row. Six times in a row. Y'all mentioned this last year in one of your podcasts, how fortunate Southern Miss is to have Scott Berry at the helm. Like guys, oh, hundred percent. He's one of the he's the most consistent coach in the country, in my opinion. I agree. And he consistently gets the most out of our guys, and you know, congratulations, to Coach Barry. You know, that's awesome. Absolutely. Well, he's not even. I mean, he's not just built a team at Southern Miss. He's built a culture. I mean, like you, you look at Southern Miss baseball fans, and they're they're. There's not a fan base in the country like mm-hmm. Southern Miss baseball. Mm-hmm. There's just not. And that starts and ends with Scott Barry. Yes, it does. Well, yeah. It does. Didn't uh, that, wasn't there an ESPN article that said uh, that Coach Barry is the best baseball coach money cannot buy? Because I'm sure he's had many opportunities to go elsewhere. At one point, he was one of the lowest paid coaches wow. in the country. But I, I think that's oh, changed a little I sure bit. Sure, so. so. absolutely. All right, guys. So some other notables from this past weekend. Uh, I'm just going to run through some of these here. Slade Wilkes hit a double and a homer. Dustin Dickerson mm-hmm. had two hits in each game. He went he went six for thirteen on the weekend. Good weekend for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reese Ewing double homer, a double and a home run. Uh, Gabe Montenegro hit two doubles. Over the weekend. Carson Pato hit another home run. Uh, yeah. Will McGillis. 
And again, guys, Carson Pato is our eight hole hitter. <laughs> and what is he, a 12 home he run? Uh, no, I, I think he's no, a 13. No, that was 13. 13. That was 13. 13. 13 home runs in our eight hole. So Will McGillis had a double and a home run at McDinger, if you will. I coined that term a couple weeks ago and it really didn't catch on. So <laughs> I'm still clinging on the McDinger. So uh, Danny Lynch had a double. Christopher Sargent, double and two home runs. Uh, we already mentioned Blake Johnson's big day. We mentioned Charlie Fisher's big hit he had. Uh, on the mound, um, Matt Adams picked up the win Friday night, pitched 1.2 innings pitched and a K, no earned runs. Uh, okay. Hunter Riggins picked up the win on Saturday, went seven innings, no runs, five Ks. Hurston Waldrop, six innings pitched on Sunday, 10 Ks and the win. Uh, Garrett Ramsey got the save Friday night with three innings pitched, three strikeouts. Tyler Stewart. Nice. Tyler Stewart has one inning pitched and three Ks struck out the side. Wow. Uh, Dalton Rogers, two innings pitched, two Ks. Uh, Landon Harper, one inning pitched, two Ks. And Ben Etheridge, one inning pitched, two Ks. So a lot of highlights from last weekend. Our guys just getting it done. It was a really, really good weekend to be an Eagle fan. They, uh, they really showed Absolutely. up and showed out. So now let's turn the page and look toward this week. So let's talk about some stuff we can't wait to see. Can't wait. All right. So, guys, in this clip or in this segment, we will be talking about what we cannot wait to see in the upcoming week for the Golden Eagles. So we will start with Pete. What about this conference tournament makes you say, I can't wait? I can't wait to see our guys swing that bat I mean if they come out like they have the past couple of weekends man they're just I mean the last couple of weekends they've just been on fire and so I, I can't wait to see that um, especially Sergeant like you said earlier he's up to 20 home runs so oh, yeah. far this he's, year yeah he's had an impressive season power he sure, wise he sure has and uh, I was thinking about uh Matt Walner the other day, what what was he at um, his last season with us? His last season, Chuck, do you know the answer to this one? 23, wasn't it? 23, that's right. His last season with us, he hit 23 home runs. So I could see Sargent easily knocking that out in postseason. Oh, yeah. He's, well, I mean, he hit three in one game, what, a weekend ago? So, yep, mm -hmm. he did. Just one he more did. game like that, and we're there. Right. Absolutely. And we've got some pretty noticeable uh, batters coming up, especially in uh, from ODU. You got Matt Kootenay. He actually has uh, 25 home runs so far this year. And I'm going to be honest, I'm a little afraid of Kootenay here. Um, Andy Gariola is 22 on the year. And then number three coming up, Christopher Sargent, uh, so far in Conference USA play. So I'm I'm actually really looking forward to that this weekend. Um, and then what, what we got McGillis behind uh, Sargent with 15 home yeah. runs on the year, and then Peyto with 13. I mean, I mean, like I said it earlier, if our guys keep playing the way they've been playing these past couple of weekends, I I think we're golden here. Conference USA really has some elite power bats uh -huh. this year. Yes, they do. Yes, Namely they do. from Old Dominion. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. Oh yeah. I think. Power bath. If y'all want to see some offense, go Eagle 
everyday Eagle fans, I hate to say it, but go catch an old Dominion game and watch, man. You know, yeah. you know what would really be cool, and I've never thought about it until just right now. I know that that they've got to get um, ready for the tournament and all that, but if you could pick one player from every team and have a home run derby like the night before the tournament starts, that would be fun. That would be fun. That would be. Fun. I think the players would enjoy that. Um, so, Scott, if you're listening, uh, put that out there at some belt conference next year. Yeah. And, guys, something to watch for when Kootenay comes to the plate. He is a large man. I don't know if y'all saw him when mm-hmm. Old Dominion came to oh, town. Yeah. He takes up the entire batter's box. He looks like a three technique on a football team. <laughs> <laughs> Can y'all tell that Lane's very, a football coach? Yeah, he is very impressive stature wise to look at oh, so oh, he was i mean last time he was here i think he hit like three or four homers and i'm pretty sure they went over st thomas catholic church oh, uh, yeah, there behind the peak like that guy like just one after another like they were just rockets he, so he kind of scares me mm-hmm. we'll talk about him a little bit more later too mm-hmm. um my can't wait is i can't wait to see how we handle our pitching staff uh, we kind of have a history here of basically finding some unsung hero in our pitching rotation and come conference tournament time. You remember Mason Strickland a few years ago? We yes. threw him out there against Charlotte. We were in a bind. You know you're going to use up four starters yeah. going mm-hmm. into the tournament. Oh, yeah. And and we pretty much have that figured out. You know, you got, you got Hall, Riggins, Waldrop Adams. I would think mm-hmm. that's your first four. I, I would agree. I think Adams will be that four spot. Yeah. I mean, if you sweep it out, that's best right. case scenario. But if something right. doesn't fall your way, you could use up to five, maybe even six pitchers in some right. scenarios that I counted up over here. Um, oh, yeah. And it's scenarios like that where you start finding these unsung heroes that come in out of nowhere and just blow it up. Remember, um, that it was a similar situation with Mason Strickland, and that was in Biloxi. And then in Biloxi, uh, I think it was the next year, maybe in the year after that, you got Gabe Shepard, right? Who they oh, had yeah. been really limiting his pitches a lot going into that tournament. If you'll remember, he was coming off a of Tommy John surgery, mm-hmm. um, he was, and they they had him pitch counted hard leading up to that game, and then they kind of turned him loose a little bit. And he leads us off into pitching a no-hitter. He's the first pitcher in a combined no-hitter. Right. Um, so, yeah. we kind of have a history of really striking gold with an unsung hero in this tournament. And I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, you feel like you know who the first four guys are. Right. I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, is uh, are we about to get a Tyler Stewart start? Yeah, right. You know, is he about to come in and, and start and light something up for us here? Are we about to see the return of Ben Etheridge to the lineup, mm-hmm. to, the, to the rotation? Mm-hmm. Are we about to see Drew Boyd right. get another start? He certainly had some meaningful starts for us. Or are we going to see a bullpen guy? You know, I, the one that comes to mind with me is Landon Harper threw 67 pitches against old ODU. Wow. That Sunday mm-hmm. game. If you remember that, Landon Harper came in through four innings and had 67 pitches. Mm. That's up there with the starters' workload. Right. And so, oh, absolutely. 
you know, well, I'm just looking forward to seeing how are we going to use them. I feel like you got to plan for the worst mm-hmm. and hope for the best here and have an idea. And, and we already mentioned Coach Oz. He's the man. I trust he him. Is. He's going to have it. He'll have a plan together. Um, but I'm just looking forward to seeing his plan as it shakes up as, as, the, as the tournament goes around. I mean, heck, if you can throw your starting shortstop in there to close out a ball game, I think <laughs> yeah. everything's open, right? Look, nothing would make me happier for Dustin Dickerson to come in and get the final out against La Tech and the championship. Oh, absolutely. And, guys, he didn't pitch bad. He did game. not. He should have had the save. If you remember that game, there were, what, two errors that inning? That inning, yeah. He should have had it. So, mm-hmm. um, but, yeah, so I'm just looking forward to seeing who's the who's the hero going to be this right. time. Is everything going to go according to plan? If not, what did you call him earlier? The Wizard of Oz? The Wizard of Oz. Oz. Never doubt the Wizard. What's the Wizard got in store for us in this tournament? I'm looking forward to seeing it. So, Chuck, what about this tournament makes you say you can't wait to see it? Well, for me, it's it's one of two, honestly. Um, We owe UAB some vengeance, so I hope we give it to them Wednesday. Yes, we do. Um, They are a (laughs) tough team, but I'm tired of UAB. I'm tired of the UAB curse, you know. Uh, uh, You mentioned 2011. That happened to us when we played them in 2011. Um, It happened to us this year when we played them in baseball. So I hope we hand them some vengeance and send them to the loser's bracket. Um, But they're a tough team, so it's going to be a – I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park at all. the second and probably my most biggest can't wait moment is for the Pete to be packed out Sunday at the championship game with Southern Miss. I want there to be black and gold everywhere. Um, and I want the game to be over and I want president Judy to march out there on that field and hand Southern Miss that conference USA trophy one last time. And let us ride out to the sunset on top, <laughs> proving that Conference USA belongs to Southern Miss. Right. Chuck's not bitter at all, I don't think. Is he? <laughs> Definitely not bitter one bit. All right, so please, please let that happen. Chuck, I got a question: Are you wearing a Sunbelt Conference shirt to the game? Uh, I don't know. I might. You know, we got the uh, I got the Southern Miss farewell. Uh, tour shirt we had made uh the conference usa farewell tour it's got all the conference games oh yeah i'll probably wear it and uh i'm i might i might wear one of the championship game we'll have to see <laughs> oddly I enough Lane, I, I ordered a shirt and it came in the other day for sunbelt conference i showed chuck the other day. <laughs> <laughs> i figured i figured i figured I'm we'll definitely... see several sunbelt conference shirts at this tournament oh yeah it, absolutely Speaking of the tournament, Lane, why don't you start us off and give us a, limp, a glimpse, a glimpse, a glimpse of what's to come this week in the Conference USA tournament? All right, so I'm gonna start us off by focusing on our side of the bracket. Mm-hmm. So the three teams I'm gonna look at the deepest here would be UAB, FAU, and UTSA. I'll give you a quick rundown of the other side of the bracket after, but let's start with our side, okay? Because our side's the one that matters right now. Amen. Um, UAB, we went one and two against them this year. Uh, statistically speaking, they're pretty much middle of the road and everything, except for ERA, they're fourth, um, and walks, they're fourth. That's with their pitching staff. But everything else, for the most part, they're sitting right around sixth, seventh, eighth, you know, right in that range. Mm-hmm. 
this one does stick out to me in strikeouts. Their pitching staff, they are dead last in the conference. Uh, they have 401 strikeouts total. Hmm. So that puts yeah. them dead last. Uh, first is us. So we lead in pretty much every pitching statistic, but this section is more so telling you what to look for, what we're playing against here. So uh, FAU, we went two and one against them. Uh, they're fourth in the conference in batting average. They, there's a team, they're batting 290. Uh, they are third in the conference in doubles with 115, and they are third in the conference in home runs with 85. Goodness. So um, their, their pitching statistics would be more the bottom at the bottom half of the conference, though. I think they, they come in seventh in walks, seventh in batting average against, um ERA and K's they're in eighth and ninth respectively. So they uh you know, pitching wise they're not they're nothing they haven't produced that well pitching wise yet. Uh hitting wise, they're more of an offensive minded team. Uh UTSA as a team, they're batting three oh three and that is first in the conference, boys. Wow. If you remember, we saw that when they came to Hattiesburg. UTSA can really hit. They can. I'm impressed with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a team, when you're hitting over 300, you're doing something right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have 14 triples. Impressive. Very. Um, and they have and they have 115 doubles, which puts them in third in the conference. Uh, they're tied for sixth in home runs, so they're about middle of the pack in home runs. But they're more of a batting average. Um, extra base hit kind of team, not much of an over-the-fence team. They're kind of middle of the pack on that. Pitching-wise, batting average against is pretty good, but everything else is pretty average of what they do. Uh, some So as you're watching these games on our side of the bracket, here's some, here's some of the statistical leaders we need to be watching for. Okay, I'm going to start with pitchers, guys. Okay. Uh, UTSA has Luke Malone. He is their – Friday night guy. He's really good. He's he's number four in the conference in ERA right now, and he's tied for first with wins. Uh, his ERA is a two eight two, and he has eight wins on the season. Wow. So Luke Malone, UTSA has a good has a really good starter that'll be throwing for him. I would think Wednesday night. Um, uh, as far as wins go, FAU has one in their own right. Hunter Cooley also has eight wins. So you have two pitchers going up against each other. Both of them have eight wins, which ties them both for first in the conference. Um, Brooks Walton, the guy that I'm assuming Lou will be playing uh, for UAB, he has six wins, and that puts him at number nine in the conference overall in wins. So our side of the bracket, aside from Southern Miss, I mentioned earlier Tanner Hall is Mm -hmm. leading the entire conference in strikeouts, but I'm just looking at the three teams we play. We don't have any top 10 strikeout guys. So our side of the bracket, basically long story short, full of good hitters pitching wise leaves a little to be desired with the exception of Luke Malone. I think he's really, really good for UTSA. Mm. Um, Again, also I'm, I'm excluding Southern Miss players from this because we already know what we have. Okay. So, as far as hitting goes, uh, batting average leaders, Christian Hall for UAB is number two in the conference with a 372 batting average. Nolan Shanuel for FAU 
372 batting average. He's tied with Christian Hall. Uh, Shane Serdashny for UTSA is number nine in the conference with a 349 average. Now let's look at the home runs. Again, um, Pete, you mentioned big bats, some guys to look for here. FAU has a couple ringers of their own, okay? They have the number five and number six hitters in the conference as far as home runs go. Gabriel Rinconis and Dylan Goldstein both have 18 home runs on the season. So pretty salty right there, pretty good. And then Josh Sears for UAB has 17 homers. So, guys, that's the information about our side of the bracket. Those are the leaders and the players to be watching for when you're watching our side of the bracket. Yes, sir. What are some thoughts y'all have? No, I'm with you. Um, I think I'm happy that Luke Malone, I'm hoping Luke Malone starts uh, against FAU um, and that we probably won't get to see him. Um, But we'll see. Yeah, I agree. I'm a little scared of him. And I, f- I feel bad for the pitching staff, and uh, well, I don't really feel bad for them. But uh, they're coming into the Pete, and uh, us fans, we kind of we kind of get in their heads a little bit. <laughs> we sure do. Oh yeah, if we do our job, we do. That's right. So if you're if you're an everyday Eagles fan and a Southern Miss fan, and you're planning on going to the entire conference tournament, here's some guys to watch for on the other side of the bracket. David McCabe, to me, might be one of the top hitters in our conference. Uh, he is he's a he's plays for Charlotte. He has a 383 batting average wow. and six sixteen home runs. I mean, Ooh. that's impressive, guys. Uh, Taylor Young for Louisiana Tech. He's a he's a veteran. I feel like I've seen him play a long time. He's he's batting 351 with 10 home runs. That's again for Louisiana Tech. Middle Tennessee has Jackson Galloway. He's batting 348 with seven home runs. And then we mentioned the two ringers from ODU, Matt Kootenay, 364, 25 homers, and Andy Gariola, 332 with 22 home runs. Um, two pitchers on that side to watch for, Blake Morgan. He leads the conference in ERA. He's really, really good. Uh, he pitches for Old Dominion. And Louisiana Tech has Kyle Krieger, who is – one of the top statistically, one of the leaders in the conference. So, again, if you're going to watch all the games, that's some guys on the other side you're going to want to see too. For sure. So, out of uh, – who are y'all hoping is uh, – you know, assuming Southern Miss wins and make it to the game Sunday, who, uh, who would y'all love to see us beat in the championship game? I'll go first here. I'll say Louisiana Tech. Okay. Just because it's been a heated rivalry the right. whole time. You know, I mean, it's been really, really heated with us and them. Do I want to see Louisiana Tech? Not necessarily. Right. You know, but, I mean, it would be – it would just be really enjoyable to beat Louisiana Tech at our place after they put us out at their place Correct. last year. Pate, what about you? I mean, Lane, I couldn't agree with you more. Um because there's definitely some revenge that's coming for that. And I'm telling you, I mean, after watching that game last year, I mean, I'm just ready for us to just beat Louisiana Tech yet again. And also, like I said earlier, I'm a little afraid of Old Dominion, so I hope that they can – that La Tech can take them out. I'm, I'm with you, boys. I, 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 I think I – think 
for game sake and for um, most intense game, I think LaTeX, Southern Miss. Uh, but if I wanted the easier side, I would go with uh, Middle Tennessee, you know. But I, oh, hope, yeah. it's, I hope it's LaTeX. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But that's a, okay. a great segue into our, our next segment. We're almost done. Um, we're going to do a first-round pick em, boys. So, Lane, ODU versus Middle Tennessee. Who you got? <laughs> uh, I think this one gets really, really, really ugly yeah. in a hurry, especially for a 9 a.m. game on a Wednesday. I think this game will be over by about 10 o'clock. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I think the fat lady will be good and warmed up by about ten o'clock on that one, guys. It's uh, you know, Old Dominion, the bats we already talked about, and they're about to run into uh, guys. Uh, Middle Tennessee's about to run into Blake Morgan, and I just don't really see any way that Middle Tennessee finds a way to get this win. I'm mm-hmm. going Old Dominion. All right, Pate. What about you, Old Dominion or Middle Tennessee? I mean, I can't say that I disagree because once you get Gariola and Kootenay out there, I mean, it's just going to be lights out for Middle Tennessee. I'm, I mean, that's all I got to say about it. That's all I got to say about that. If you like home runs, guys, go to the 9 a.m. game. Yeah, right. If you don't have to work that day, go check it out. Yeah. <laughs> all right, game two of the day is LaTeX versus Charlotte. Lane, who you got? Uh, I'm going to say Louisiana Tech because of Krieger, the pitcher for Louisiana Tech. He's been good. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Uh, He's been really good all season. Uh, Louisiana Tech, guys, actually, they, you know, I said USM's leading the conference in pretty much every stat category. Louisiana Tech's coming in second and pretty much – they're in second in ERA behind us. They're in second in strikeouts behind us, and they're in second in walks behind us. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Louisiana Tech, in their own right, they have a really good pitching staff. So, I think that pitching staff leads them against Charlotte. I do think it's closer than the Old Dominion game, but uh, I'm going to say Louisiana Tech wins that one. Okay. Pate, what about you? I mean, again, I can't disagree with Lane on this. Um, I mean, La Tech is definitely going to be no cakewalk for sure. And so – I'm sure that they'll take care of Charlotte fairly quickly, in my opinion. And, and not taking anything away from Charlotte, I think they, they have some good players. Um, but I'm going to have to go with LaTeX as well on, on game two. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to the McCabe, David McCabe versus Kyle Krieger matchup. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. Oh, yeah. No joke. Pate, I think I know your answer, but I'm going to ask anyway. Who do you have in game three, USM versus UAB? Oh, is that even a question? Um, (laughs) We didn't have to ask this question, Joe. I know, I know. (laughs) I know. Yeah, I I definitely think, uh, if, like I said earlier, if we can hit like the past couple weekends and how we've been playing, I think we'll be we'll be all right in that first round. Elaine, I'm I'm assuming you're going to go with USM as well on this one. Eags by 40, baby. Okay, Eags by 40. I'm all right, man. Eags by 40. That's funny. Golden Eagles. Give me Golden Eagles. 
All right. And um, we all know the Conference USA tournament curse of bad weather, and there's supposed to be some rain Wednesday. So I feel bad for this FAU-UTSA crew that may be playing at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning like they, uh, we had to do last year. But, Pate, who do you have in the last game of the day, FAU versus UTSA? Oh, man. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's just a gut feeling. You know, you get those every now and again. And just I don't know what it is, but I think UTSA is going to top on that one. So that that's just my gut. So I'm saying UTSA is going to uh, beat FAU. All right, and Mr. Lane, what do you? What says you? I feel like we're going to have to go multiple rounds here, Chuck, because I agree with him too. We we have now picked the same person and or same team in every single game. I'm I'm, I, I'm looking at the <laughs> uh, the graphic I have here that I typed up, and we literally have picked all the same teams. I picked mine earlier today. I'm going. Right. I did too. I have my whole bracket filled out right in front of me, and That's so hilarious. far we are batting a thousand with each other. Yeah, I got UTSA in this one too. Luke Malone, I think, is the difference maker in this one. I think he silences FAU's bats enough that UTSA can take the lead and hang on to it. I like it. I like it. Well, guys, that concludes today's show. Um, I'm excited that we're back. Can't wait to see what this new season holds with uh, the two of you as co-captains. Lane, why don't you take us out, man? All right, Southern Miss. To to the the top. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Everyday Eagles podcast. For Southern Miss fans, by Southern Miss fans. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit EverydayEaglesPodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Everyday Eagles Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on the Everyday Eagles Podcast. Touchdown!